Good to see everybody here this morning. Um, for those of you who are here the first time, on the back of the bulletin that you got on your way in is an outline, and you can use that for taking notes, fill in the blanks. Even you kids can do that as well, all right? All right. Um, that song is really exemplifies the basis of our faith, right? We cry out to Jesus. We ask Jesus for help when we're tired, when we're weary, when we don't understand life and what life is doing to us and all these different things. And, you know, we don't know what people are going through because we don't know. People don't always tell us everything about their life. And they have, we all have a right to our private life, and that's okay. So there needs to be somebody we can call out to, right? You know, if you don't have a close friend, you know, in the church or wherever, you need somebody to call out to, someone to cry out to. Someone who will help you when you feel helpless, and that's Jesus Christ. And the church is supposed to be part of that, too. And we want to be part of that as well. We want to be uh, your strength. We want to be your encouragement. Because we need to be encouraged, too. Isn't that true? Amen. Yeah. Let's, we're in Daniel. We've been studying through Daniel a little bit and going through there. And lots of these stories in Daniel, we learn them in Sunday school. If you go to Sunday school as a kid, you learn them in Sunday school because they're really great Sunday school lessons. But they're great lessons for us as adults as well. So we're in uh, Daniel chapter 6 again. We're in this second part of Daniel and the lion's den. And, and we set up last week about this part that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start Daniel chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 11. So we're going to read, then I'll pray, and then we'll, then we'll ask God to lead us through this study time. Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray that you would guide and direct me. I pray your, your words will come from my lips and my heart. I pray you would also speak to me as well, Lord, as we go through this time of worship in your word. We pray for your spirit to be released to speak to everybody here today, Lord, that, that we can all hear from you, that you will give us that strength that we need, that comfort, that blessing, and that, Lord, your word would guide and direct our life. That, Lord, we just wouldn't show up on Sunday and just, that's enough. We'd be hungry for you all week, and we'd want to be near you all the time. Thank you for Daniel. Lord, what a man of great faith. What a man of, of, of just real commitment to you, Lord. What an example he is. And I pray that my faith grows like his and that you'd be with me during my difficult times as well. I know there are others praying for that too, Lord. I pray that you'd use me again like I asked, Father, for your glory. There's nothing I can do or say on my own. I need you to use me, so I pray for that, Father. And we as a church, we need you to speak, Lord, today. So would you please do that, Father? Through your word and through your spirit, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verse 11, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked God for help, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. <clears throat> then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day, and when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no, no decree or edict the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. 
And the stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel went, were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Father, this morning I thank you for this word. And again, I just ask, would you lead and direct me, Father, that I might share something from your word that would guide and direct and also uplift these people, Father, for your glory and their good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been learning from the book of Daniel how to live out our faith in difficult circumstances. We've learned that while it's not always easy to do, it is possible to live out our faith in God, in Christ. No matter what the circumstances are that we're facing, it is doable because we have a living God. Amen. This is important. This is very important, I think, for our day. As we look at our culture, and we've talked about how our culture in America has turned away from, from God and the Bible as a culture in, in itself, has become more nihilistic, more of a sense of no rules, there's no moral boundaries, there's nothing really to withhold uh, immorality. Uh, our culture is just starting to rot away, and so we're realizing we need something to help us, right? Something, someone will be with us. This is important. Because to give into the world around us, to give into the culture that surrounds us, would cost too much. To join in our culture and give up on God would cost too much. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? What's going to rescue us? How are we going to be rescued? If we ignore a great salvation we find in Jesus Christ, how are we going to be rescued? We're not. Not without Jesus. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God testified about who Jesus is. When Jesus calmed that storm on the Sea of Galilee, God was testifying to who Jesus is. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he said, Lazarus, come out, God was testifying to who Jesus is. He's our hope. He's our strength. He's our rescuer. He's our deliverer. To ignore what God has done is spiritually dangerous. Spiritually dangerous. Our eternal destiny is determined by the kind of relationship we have with God right now, today, in this life. And I wish we would all learn to listen to more than that. I, I remember, believe it or not, I can remember when I was in high school. Can you believe that? I remember the days that I was in high school. I remember when I was that age. I didn't know what I wanted to be at that time. I was 16, 17, wrestling with lots of different things in life, more so than most people, I think. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I just knew I didn't want to be the, like the people who were my parents' age. I didn't want to be like those people because they were kind of dull and foggy and 
you know, you know what us old folks are like, right? Like, look at Lyle grinning over there. He's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Lyle. It's okay. Yeah. I knew I didn't want to be like them. I wanted to be me. I wanted to be me. And you might be thinking today that you want to be you. Guess what? That's okay. That's what God wants for you. God wants you to be you. He didn't create you to be like somebody else. He created you to be you. He made you to be you. And only God can help you become the you that he meant you to be you to be. I got kind of tongue-tied there a little bit. But anyway, hope I'm understood. You're supposed to be you. You're not supposed to be anybody else. You're supposed to be the person God created you to be, and you need God to be that person. Amen. Daniel understood that. That's why Daniel, when you read the book of Daniel, and you watch Daniel, you read and you think about Daniel and the way he interacts with the culture, Daniel understood that, that he was meant to be someone special, that he was supposed to be himself. That's why we're special, because we're not like anybody else. And he believed God for that. He trusted in God for that. And that's why he was able to flourish in a culture that was dead set against him, that tried to attack him constantly over and over and over. The reason why God saved Daniel and his friends is because their faith was in him. You want to be saved from something? You want to be saved from that illness or some, some, something going on in your life right now, something bad, whatever it is, might be, I don't know. But you want to be saved from that? You want to be delivered from that? You've got to have faith in God. Because there's nobody else that can do anything to help you when you're helpless. You've got to trust in God, the most high God, the one true living God. He has to become your God. We need to commit ourselves to that kind of faith. If the church today wants to have some sort of impact in the culture around us, we've got to be so committed to God that, that there's just nothing gets in between us. Now, we're going to sin. I'm, I know that. I get that. But I'm saying nothing can turn us away from God. And then I, I see this happening a lot today. People who believe, say they believe, they come up against something difficult, and they don't get what they want in their mind. They get what God had intended all along. And they don't like that. They want something else. And they fall away or they leave. We need to be committed to God no matter what Daniel was. Read his life. I believe today prayer is probably the most misunderstood spiritual discipline in the Christian faith. I don't think there's anything else in the Christian faith more misunderstood than prayer. I don't think people understand prayer today. Um, true prayer, deep prayer. People understand reading the Bible, right? We've been taught to read from an early age, so we read. And as Christians and as Baptists, we're taught the Bible, you must read the Bible. And I believe that. So we understand reading the Bible. We understand worshiping God. We understand coming to church on Sunday and uh, worshiping God. Most Christians even understand the idea of giving money back to God. We understand that too. But prayer seems mysterious. It's, it seems difficult. Prayer seems to be kind of like a waste of time. After all, isn't it true that God helps those who help themselves, right? Isn't that in the Bible? God helps those who help themselves. No, it's not. It's not there. Go, go, go get a theosis. Go get, no, go get a, uh, a word search, a Bible word search book, and look. Look up a phrase. God helps those who help themselves. He's not there. Go on the Internet. It's not in there. No. God helps those who turn to him for help. Yeah, that's who God helps. That's why he helped Daniel. Daniel is what we would call a prayer warrior. 
Anybody ever know a prayer warrior? I've had several in my life, little old ladies that were praying for me when I first got started in ministry. And um, they were friends of my my mother-in-law, really. There's one lady down in Louisiana was praying. I never met her. I don't think I ever met her, but she prayed for me because she knew my mother-in-law. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and other ladies, or all these other ladies, like uh, Miss Evelyn Skipper prayed for me. Little old lady in, in Missouri uh, in a Baptist church on top of a hill out in the country would pray for me. And I just remember these were people who were prayer warriors. A prayer warrior is someone who, who, who doesn't give up on prayer. They just don't quit. They won't quit. They refuse to quit. A prayer warrior prays until they break through. You know what that means? You know what it means to break through? To get a response from God. You know you've broken through to God when you pray, when God responds. And maybe God doesn't respond for a long time, and so you got to pray for a long time. you got to hang in there. God wants to see how much of a prayer warrior are you. How committed are you to prayer? How committed are you to Him? That really is what prayer is all about. Look on your outline, the back of your bulletin this morning. Point number one, Daniel believed in prayer. His life shows this. We've been reading this, this book from the Bible, Daniel, and we, and we realize Daniel believed in prayer. Do we believe in prayer? Verse 11, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God, for help. These men, who are these men? These other two top administrators, all the satraps, the men who, who governed the empire for the king. They went to Daniel's house and they didn't find Daniel walking the floor, sweating buckets. They didn't find him worrying about what he was going to do next. They found him on his knees praying to God. Hmm. Verse 10, go look at verse 10 with me. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published against praying to God, he went home to his upstairs room where the, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he's done before. Daniel was a prayer warrior. He believed in prayer. He was committed to his God. You see, if you believe in prayer, you believe God can do something about the situation you're in. He can do something about the circumstances of your life. If you believe God can do something about the circumstances of your life, you're going to pray. Yeah, you're going to pray. Now, you might pray as your car is in a wreck, right? You might be praying in your living room when your life is a wreck. You, you might be praying anywhere, on a train, in a bu on a bus, in an airplane. Every time I get on the water, I pray. You know why? Because I can't swim, so I pray, you know? But if we believe that God can do something about the circumstances of our life, we'll believe in prayer. Dan Daniel prayed very specifically. Look, look how he prayed to God in verse 11. At the very end, he prayed asking God for help. He asked God for help. Don't ever be too proud to ask God for help. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. I don't care how experienced in God you are. I don't care how, how you have little experience with God. Don't, be, don't ever be so proud that you don't ask God for help. And never be so overcome by the circumstances of your life that you don't ask God for help either. Don't let life get in your face so much that you can't pray to God. And that can happen too, right? Stress, fear, anxiety. God listens to people who pray to him, who speak to him, who cry out to him. Never give up on prayer. 
Hezekiah was the king of Judah before Daniel was born. He was the king of, of the kingdom of, 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 of Jerusalem and Judea. And he was threatened by an Assyrian king named Sennacherib. Sennacherib was a wicked man. He was, he was king of the Assyrian people, and they were incredibly wicked people, incredibly cruel people. When they captured a, a group of people, when they captured a people in a nation or a town, you know what they would do? They would put a hook in your tongue, and they would tie a rope or a string or a chain to that hook. And that's how they led slaves away, back to their city by that. You can see that if you, um, if you were to go over to Iraq and go look through some of the museums. There's, um, there's these walls of pictures that the Assyrians put up of how they treated people. They cut off their heads and, and while they're still living. And, and just all kinds of cruel things. And this is, he, this is the man who was threatening Jerusalem, God's, God's city. He sent out Hezekiah a letter telling him to stop trusting in his God. Don't trust your God. He's not going to save you. The ones who live in God can't help you. You know what Hezekiah did? He didn't quit. He didn't surrender. He didn't give up on his God. Instead, he prayed. He prayed. Listen to what Hezekiah said to God. Isaiah 37, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, Almighty God of Israel, Enthroned between the cherim, you alone are God over all the, na- all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to all the words that a cherub has sent to insult the living God. Senate cherub had sent this letter to Hezekiah, just, just really, just it was, a, it was an incredibly blasphemous letter. And he tells him, you can't trust your God. No other gods have saved them, and I've, I've conquered all kinds of people. Hezekiah didn't do that. He didn't quit. Never, ever give up on God. He listens to the prayers of his people. He answers their prayers, too. Here's what God told, God told Hezekiah in Isaiah 37, verse 33. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He wouldn't even fire a shot. He will not come before with shield or build a siege ramp against it. That was God speaking to Hezekiah because Hezekiah prayed to God for help. And guess what? Sennacherib didn't do a thing. He didn't do a thing. That night, God sent an angel and killed over 185,000 of Sennacherib's men while they slept in their tents. And Sennacherib got up and he went home. And there, at his home palace, he was killed by his own sons. That's how God answers prayers. Now, to me and you, it might sound cruel that he did that to Sennacherib. But guess what? Sennacherib blasphemed against God. Sennacherib came against God's people. And God always defends his people somehow, some way. But Daniel's enemies weren't done yet. They weren't finished. That's because God hadn't resolved this yet. God hadn't answered them yet. Point number two, Daniel's enemies used the law against him. They used the law against Daniel. Now, the law I'm referring to is Babylonian law, cultural law. Not the law of Moses that the Israelites were following. No, it it wasn't that law. It was the Babylonian cultural law. Let's look at verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. The administrators and the satraps governors, 
Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revealed. Those administrators, those satraps, got the king to issue a decree that no one could pray to any god, their own god, or any man except to the king. They used his ego a little bit here. They appealed to his sense of, of, uh, of you know, superiority because they knew Daniel would continue praying to his God. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to trap Daniel. And they knew to trap Daniel, they had to do something against his beliefs. And they used the king to do that. The best thing, the best thing that could happen to us in difficult circumstances is to be found praying to God. That is the best thing that, that can ever happen to us. There's, um, you might know this, but there's a story going around that there's a revival going on in Iran. Did you hear about that? There's an actual revival going on in Iran. It's an underground revival. That there are actually more Christians in Iran today underground than there are Muslims. There's a pastor that was, that was interviewed about this, and he said that the mosques on prayer days are empty, but people are gathering to worship Jesus. They're crying out to Jesus. They're praying to Jesus in Iran. Who knows what God's going to do in that country? I certainly hope, I certainly hope that he, he reveals himself more and more and more, don't you? Because that's, what that's what's happening. Many of them are finding Jesus through dreams, a vision of Jesus coming to them and speaking to them about their need for him, about the futility of Islam. And the people are seeing that futility lived out day by day as their government lies to them and mistreats them. They're crying out. To Jesus. The best thing that could happen to us in difficult circumstances is to be found in prayer. We ought to write that down, too, by the way. We ought to be becoming more prayer warriors. We ought to be praying for Christians around the world who are struggling in ways we cannot understand, whose children and wives are being taken away, who are being killed in some brutal ways. We don't know what's going on around the world. We don't see it here in America. We should be praying for those people. Now, unbelieving people, they won't understand why we pray this way. They won't understand why we pray when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. They think, well, okay, you got money problems, you need to go talk to your banker. Oh, you got health problems, you need to go talk to your doctor. Oh, you're, you're struggling with your emotions and things like that, go see a psychiatrist. The, the world said, the unbelievers say, go see this person and this person and this person. And the Bible tells us, go to God. Seek God. Now, there's a place for all those other people. But we ought to be seeking God. Amen? Amen. See, we've got we to gotta stay committed to prayer. Prayer is not a backup plan. It's not an insurance policy. Prayer is, it, for the follower of Jesus Christ, the prayer is the first resort. That'll be the first thing that happens. It comes to our minds, I've got to pray about this. Well, this was all part of Daniel's enemy's plan. Their plan was to use the law against him. Look at verse 13. And then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. 
And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Wow. Those men used the law against their own king. Isn't that something? They trapped him with their own, with their own law. He had unknowingly trapped himself by agreeing to their plan against Daniel. That's why I said last week that he was a very foolish man. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, My son, if you put up security for your neighbor, if you struck hands and pledged for another, if you've been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth, then do this. My son, to free yourself, since you've fallen into your neighbor's hands, go and humble yourself, press your plea with your neighbor. The king can't do that, though. One thing is, the king can't humble himself before anybody, or he won't be the king for very long. Not in that world. But also, there was nothing the king could do. It was the law. He had made that law. He issued that decree, and the law was the law, and there was no grace in Persian law. Friend, aren't you glad that God's grace is abundant and free and always available? Aren't you, a grat, aren't you glad? Aren't you grateful to God if you've experienced God's grace? You ought to be. You see, number three, even the king had to follow the law. This is something I think in our culture that our government needs to understand. That our government needs to understand that it needs to follow the law too. But even this king, this man who had absolute control and power, he had to follow the law. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Wow. The other two administrators and all those satraps used the law against their own king to have Daniel killed because they were envious of him. Whenever a Mede or a Persian king issued a decree and then he had it written down and recorded, it couldn't be changed, it couldn't be abolished, not even by that king. Even the king had to follow the law. Even the king had to obey his own laws. So look what King Darius said to Daniel in verse 16. Look what he says at the end. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? That this pagan king, this unbelieving king, who actually did like Daniel a lot, liked him so much he's going to make him the top administrator, he said, may your God save you. Now Darius, he didn't worship Daniel's God, but he knew only God could save Daniel. He couldn't. And he was the highest power and authority in the land. The problem with trying to rescue our spiritual problems with worldly law is it can often be used against us. Isn't that true? The law can be used against those who, who try to use it. It's better to respond to our problems the way Daniel did, through prayer and faith in God, to trust in God, to turn that over to God. Now, here's what people do. Well, I'm just going to let God work. Well, is that good enough? Is that what God wants? What did Paul say? Paul said, pray continually, right? Pray without ceasing. So, so just saying, well, I'm just going to let God deal with this, that's not good enough. We have to pray. 
We have to pray. We have to be prayer warriors. We have to pray through until we see God's response. In Isaiah 33, verse 22, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. So if you're going through something, you don't just say, well, I'm just going to let God work in this. You pray until God works through it, until you get God's answer, whatever that might be. And that's what happened to Daniel, right? Daniel was saved by grace, not the law. I love that. I love singing about grace because I need grace. I think so do you. I know there are lots of people around us that do. Verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not heard me because I was found innocent in his sight. His sight? Nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. I like that last part, don't you? Because he trusted in his God. Amen. I wonder what went through his mind when they grabbed him and they threw him down in that pit where the lions were. What was his first thought when he landed on his feet? I wondered about that. Was he afraid? I would have been. Throw me in a lion. I've been to the zoo. Throw me in a lion's den. I'm going to be pretty, pretty scared, right? I don't think he was. I think prayer strengthened his faith so much, he wasn't worried. If he went down there and got killed, he was going to be with God. That's, I think that's what was running through his mind. But I think also, when he was going down, he thought, God's going to save me. God's going to rescue me right here in this place. Daniel told Darius in chapter in verse 22, he says, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Who was this angel? We don't know. Maybe it was Michael, Michael the archangel. He's often described as a warrior, as a fighting angel, as a superior angel who fights for God. Or did God himself come down as an angel, an appearance of an angel, and spend the night with Daniel in that, in that den? We don't know. Doesn't matter, does it? Whether it was God Himself or a very angel sent by God, Daniel was saved by God. Yeah. Daniel's faith and his, his prayers were answered. Praise be to the God who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Psalm 124, verse 6 and 7. Even they understood what it meant to be rescued from certain death. You know, if we approach the difficult situations of our lives the way Daniel did, by praying, by staying faithful to God, by relying on God instead of the world as laws, he'll save us. He'll take care of us. doesn't mean he's always going to heal us. He'll see us through that disease. Because if we're trusting in him, we're trusting in his son, we're trusting in his spirit, Whatever the result, God will make sure it's the right result. And it's the one that he wanted for us all along. But God wasn't done yet. This is the thing that I like about God. God wasn't done yet. There's more to the story of Daniel's re rescue. Look Point number five on your outline. Daniel's enemies suffered what Daniel was meant to suffer. 
His enemies ended up suffering what he was supposed to suffer. Look at verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown in the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. And we might say that's kind of harsh, right? It sounds harsh. Certainly the men deserved to be punished. They were the ones who planned and schemed, tricked the king. But their wives and their children too. This was done according to the king's order and the Persian law. Since the administrators and the satraps or governors, whatever you want to call them, used the law against Daniel and the king, the king used the law against them. And remember, there is no grace. There is no grace in the law. Grace only comes from the Lord, not the law, never. The execution of these administrators and, and satraps or families is also an example of God's justice. That God is a just God, and this shows why we should look to God for justice. Because God knows how to punish someone else better than we do. You want someone to be punished? Turn them over to God and let God deal with them. Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, God said this. He said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near. And their doom rushes, rushes upon them, comes upon them. Thank God for God's grace. Amen? Amen. Today, we experience God's grace by trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation, for it to be our Savior and our Lord of our life. He forgives us of our sins. He gives us hope for this life and for the next. He's the one we cry out to. He's the one we seek grace from. Friend, I want you to know, whatever you're facing in life right now, whatever it is that, that's confronting you, it doesn't matter how big it is or how overwhelming it might seem to you, God can overcome it through Jesus Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, God will overcome your situation of your life somehow, some way. I can't answer your situation. I can't say God's going to do this because I can't put God in a box. I just know God will respond if you'll seek him, if you'll pray to him. Maybe you need personal forgiveness. Maybe you personally need grace today. I would say like the song says, cry out to Jesus. Our invitation song today is Jesus, I Come.